Blog Talk Radio. The following has taken place during Total Sports Live. Jason Marietta for him, so I was shocked. 
um, that's kind of one of the uh, one of the downfalls of the AFL. Is sometimes guys go and they take a job rather than play in the AFL for a little bit less money and. Maybe BJ had a career opportunity somewhere else. Not really sure on the backstory, but you know, I wish him the best of luck. But Shane Boyd, Shane Boyd is definitely serviceable. He's not, he's not going to be the best quarterback. You know, last year he really struggled in San Antonio. He, he did just about nothing right. But he's got, a, he's got some targets. You know, he's going to have some a lot better players. He's got Michael Benson to run the football in Arizona. So excited to see what Boyd can do. But overall reaction for Coleman was just absolutely shocked. Yeah, I don't think nobody around the AFL expected expected this type of news to come out. And there's more about the situation, about Coleman quitting. I think they said he did have a day job and he just, you know, took that. I think the story, he had a story on eight on com. You can check that out and read the story there. You can also hear what Shane Boy had to say about stepping in and uh, and taking over. So that's just some crazy news to just start off to start out to have on your Wednesday afternoon. It's never a crazy day in sports, and the AFL just proved that with uh, with with the BJ Cole with BJ Coleman leaving the team. But Harrison, I did see you tweet on Twitter that you would not be surprised if uh, if 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 the Rattlers tried to hurry up Nick Davila because you know Coleman was good. He was a good backup. He came in and stepped in there pretty good. But we don't know if we're going to get some Boyd in. You don't want to lose momentum, so maybe the Rattlers, as you said, they might want to probably speed this process up and bring in Bedavila back. Yeah, uh, I saw on AZ Central that he's not going to be taking snaps this week in practice. He hasn't started yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to be playing this week against Spokane, but if, uh, from what I heard previously was they wanted to get him back sometimes soon after the bye week, which was last week. So if I had to guess, Davila will probably be rushed back the the key thing with Coleman was they weren't going to rush Davila back because Coleman was playing so good. So with mm-hmm. Boyd, I mean, Boyd's going to be a little bit more questionable. Boyd's, Boyd's not as good as Coleman from what we saw last year. So I would, if I had to guess, yeah, I would say they probably try to get Davila back to speed a little bit quicker. But, you know, it is a long season. They are 6-2, and two and they're playing in a horrible division with L.A. Right. And Vegas isn't terrible, but Vegas is not going to win the division. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll probably try to speed him up a little bit, but I, I wouldn't say he'd be back before. He's probably about 80% ready. Right, definitely. Like you said, Arizona pretty much has a lock on their division, so they're pretty much sitting pretty and can take their time and bring in back the quarterback. And let's go to some more breaking news that happened. I think it happened uh, it happened earlier this week, and you can correct me, earlier this week, and that was the New Orleans voodoo trading cornerback Rayshon Kaiser and Harrison. You had a chance to talk to Rayshon immediately after the news broke about him, uh, about him, about him being traded to the kids. Just talk about that move. And, you know, like I said, if you guys didn't hear it, make sure you go on YouTube, subscribe to Sunday Night Sports, and you can check out that interview. The latest interview up there is great stuff from Kaiser. Just talk about that trade and, you know, what you got from, what you got from Kaiser about him going to L.A. Well, the key thing I got was that he'll be there. You know, some AFL trades and you see guys go and refuse to report, that's one thing we haven't really seen this year. We've seen most guys go out and report, which is definitely a good thing for the league. But with Kaiser, Kaiser is absolutely the leadership, the player, just the overall the overall coach that they're going to need on defense on the field. Bob McMillan, you know, he, I've heard good things about him from L.A. players, so I will go ahead and say he's a good coach despite what the record is out there right now, but 
to have a guy on the field like Kaiser and to see what he did in Philly, he's, he's a player coach. He's the definition of a player coach. He's a vet. He's had over 100 tackle seasons. He holds the all-time record for interceptions in a season. So he's the boost L.A.'s defense is going to need. You know, they've been, they've been awful this season. L.A.'s defense has been the reason that they have been so fat, so bad. So Kaiser coming in is definitely definitely a good move, and right now it's only for future considerations. So we will see if that ever fruitions to anything, if, if it becomes a backup, or I, I doubt it would be anything huge. But definitely a good move for L.A. You know, they're, they're still trying to turn it around. There's going to be a fourth and third spot in that Western Conference. You figure San Jose and Arizona have the first two. Who else has got the other two? So definitely a good move by them. You know, you're not out of it, so might as well keep fighting. Definitely not out of it, and you also, uh, you also, uh, you also, for fans that didn't know, you also tweeted out earlier this week about uh, about Darren Thomas, you know, the Portland Thunder quarterback being put on. I think is on IR. You said, and that's big when you talk about the that's big when you talk about the playoffs and the playoff standings, like you just mentioned. Somebody has to be three and four. So you got Kaiser now going to L.A. and Thomas going down for Portland. So we could have a little shakeup in the division standings over on the West? It's going to take a little bit of time. L.A. LA is not going to become miraculously great on defense because they have Kaiser. Mm-hmm. They're going to become less awful. They're still not going to be very good, <laughs> but Kaiser in, the middle, Kaiser in the middle helps out. They're going to need to put some pieces around him. You know, he's not going to be able to do it alone. But, yeah, there could be a little bit of a shakeup. Kyle Rowley didn't look good for Portland this year. He did not look awful, but he didn't look good. But he's a veteran. You know, he understands the game. He understands what he needs to do. He understands where the receivers are going to be. And he's been in Coach O's offense this year the whole time, all nine weeks. So that that's another interesting thing to look at this week, how Rowley comes back from being benched to Ron Thomas. He, he was the starter. And they decided to bench him to DT. And, you know, he came out. Uh, DT played a great game against L.A. And, unfortunately, the leg injury, wishing the best of luck recovering, but, that's that's another interesting storyline this week at quarterback is Kyle Rowley in Portland. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's gonna be a huge shakeup. I still like Portland more than I like LA to make the playoffs this year, even with Rowley. So but it's gonna be interesting. It definitely definitely LA had one of their first good weeks and it's it, they could still lose this week. It's LA, let's be honest. But this has been the first positive thing they've had in my opinion all season. Right. No, definitely. So we're gonna see how that all shakes up with all the moves and stuff and like you said it's only it's only uh it's only Thursday it's only Thursday so we got a lot more to happen in the league before games kick off this weekend so there'll probably be some more movement happening as you said repeat that out there for all the fans that are listening the transactions come out at what time today? Uh they come out a little bit shaky each day. I would I would start looking around six thirty, probably won't be up then. Uh figure around seven, seven fifteen. But they can come out oh. anytime from six thirty to seven fifteen. None out yet. I'm I'm on the on the wire right now. Nothing out yet. Nothing out yet. So you guys, if you're AFL fans, be tuned in during those time slots to find out if anything is happening because there's definitely going to be some movement, moving and shaking with all these moves happening this week. We have about uh, we have about 18 minutes left in the show, and let's move on from transactions to talking about the inaugural Boardwalk Bowl that's happening down at Atlantic City at Boardwalk Hall on Saturday at 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern. I'm sadly not going to be there, but I'm pretty sure Harrison is going to be 
at board at the boardwalk uh, bowl game. Just talk about that game, Harrison. The Solar eight and one. They're playing against a team in Las Vegas who has not been playing like an expanded team this year. But JJ Radernick is on IR, so they don't know who they're starting at quarterback. Just give us the lowdown of what's going to happen in this game. Yeah, I'll be down there in Atlantic City for the whole event Friday and Saturday when they've got uh, some pregame stuff as well. But on game time, I would expect to see Vegas throw out Sean Brackett. Uh, rookie kid, didn't look bad when he got in. Last week against Spokane, hasn't looked bad. You know, I, I've heard some positive things about him from out there. Um, it definitely is going to hurt them. Rhetoric has had probably his best year that I've seen him have. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there might be some statistical otherwise, but as a leader and as a decision-making quarterback, yeah, he looks ten times better than he did in L.A., so it hurts. It hurts Vegas, but I'm rolling with the soul in this game. I don't see any reason not to pick them. Uh, Vegas did shock Arizona, so I wouldn't completely count them out. But Philly, from what they did to Tampa Bay and how fired up they are about this game and how excited they are about this game and just from some of the comments I've heard from players, it's 100% confidence that they're going to go out there and play soul football, what they've done all season. They're going to continue on the winning ways. I mean, I know they took the loss to Jacksonville, but – so far this year, man, Philadelphia has looked really good, and I don't see any reason to not think that it will happen in Atlantic City this weekend. Definitely, without a doubt, like you said. So, I think, like I said, I have the soul getting through this game, too, with no problem. I mean, all Vegas is going to provide them – provide is going to give them a game, but I think, you know, soul we're just going to do what they do best, like you said, play soul football. And let's talk about the soul. Last week, they blew the doors off of the Tampa Bay Storm. They, Like you said last week, they were staying in Florida. They didn't leave. They stayed there. And my, oh, my, what happened when they stayed in Florida? They, Florida, they blew the doors off of Tampa 71-27. Had, I think it was an opening first quarter of the lead of 27-0. And they were just looking, uh, they were just looking dominant. And Joe Goosby, going back to the old, uh, old AFL days, playing the Ironman role, Building on both sides of the ball, scoring touchdowns and making plays on defense, just wow! What a game for the Soul Harrison. Just you know, just you know, you, this team always surprises us every week, just bringing it better and better each week. Now this Soul team, man, this this looks like the 2008 team. I have never seen a better Soul football team in the years that I've been mm-hmm. watching them and in the four years I've been covering them. It, this seems to be right there with 08. They're doing it all right. You know, they've got a good group of guys in the locker room, a lot of team camaraderie. You know, you never hear anything about this guy doesn't like this guy or this guy had a problem with this guy. Not that it happened prior, but this just seems like the exact team that Tom Goodhines, Lou Russo, Clint Alzell, Phil Bogle, and Derek Stingley, those, that's who they wanted. You know, they got their guys, and really I, I don't see any reason they can't consistently put up numbers like what they did to Tampa Bay against bad teams. You know, they're not going to do that against San Jose. Not can do that against Arizona, Jacksonville, Orlando. Uh-huh. Against a weaker team, yeah, the Soul can blow out someone 71 to whatever Tampa Bay scored and consistently do it. You know, that's that's Soul football this year. And Personally, I love it. You know, got to be unbiased as a media member, but it's fun to watch this Soul team. Not many other teams like that <laughs> this year, but this Soul team, really fun to watch. Definitely fun to watch. And just talking, mean, they had, you know, Tommy Taggart was injured. Uh, injured, I think it was in the Jacksonville game, so they, you know they were trying to find somebody to play fullback. Do you see Joe Goosby as a as as you know the viable option going forward, playing that full playing that uh, fullback position? 
yeah, he'll get some looks there this week. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he sees some more red zone time. But uh, Gerard is going to be the pass blocking fullback. That's going to be mm-hmm. a consistent thing with the soul. They're going to keep Gerard back there to pass block, and you know, it might might keep Kuzma back there for a play or two, keep Vegas off balance. But from what we saw in Tampa, that appears to be what it looks like. You never know with Clint Alzado, though. Uh, Clint's a great offensive mind. He's probably switching up as we speak. But for Guzzi's mm-hmm. performance, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen. You know, it, it ranks up there with Larry Bracken's eight touchdowns in the American Conference Championship in 2012. So, Guzzi, yeah, you know, perfect. putting up numbers like that every week, obviously it's not going to be easy, but Guzzi <laughs> is having probably his best year this year as well. You know, he's looked really good as Jack. Uh, he looked phenomenal as fullback, and he won what? Defensive player of the game and offense player of the game, so... That that never yep. happens. So, real big shout out to Joe Guzzi. You know, great week last week, and I wouldn't be shocked. You know, if he he sees some similar playing time at fullback this week in uh, Atlantic City. Definitely, definitely a sold take on the Las Vegas Outlaws this Saturday, six o'clock p.m. on uh and Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City for the Boardwalk Bowl, the inaugural Boardwalk Bowl. And as, as he said, Harrison will be down there for both days, Friday. And Saturday, so make sure you follow him on Twitter, guys, at FNFD Sports, so you can check up and see all the latest stuff that's going on with that event down down in New Jersey. Is this is this game is this game televised, but is it going to be on ES3 or is it a CBS game? Well, that'll be on CBS. It's going to be on CBS. So there you go, there you go, CBS Sports Network. Make sure you make sure you guys check that out. If you got it, make sure you check it out. I'm telling you, if you, this is the first time you're watching arena football, you will. If you pick this, this is going to be the first time watching arena football, you will not be disappointed watching the Philadelphia Soul play. we got about 10 minutes left, and let's talk about the AFL Midseason Awards. We are at the midway point in the AFL season. We're going to try to give you guys AR, all arena first and second teams. We're going to try to get to that, too. But if not, we'll leave that the next week, but... Let's look at the midseason awards that we have right now. MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Let's start off uh, at MVP. I, don't, I mean, MVP, I think me and Harrison spoke on this. Last week about MVP, it's only one guy and one guy only. That's in my pick for MVP, none other than sole quarterback Dan Rodderball. I mean, the numbers speak for himself. 65.5% completion percentage, 2,550 yards. 58 touchdowns, six INTs, got the soul at 8 and 1. They're dominant this season. They got the ball rolling. If it wasn't for the loss in Jacksonville, we don't lost by eight. They'd be undefeated. So they just been rolling. Dan's been on another level, like Harrison pointed out last week. And I don't think Harrison has another MVP in mind unless he's just going to switch it up on me. Nope. Dan Rodabaugh's the guy. Statistically wise, the only guy that comes close is Shane Austin. But Shane Austin hasn't looked like an MVP. You know, Cleveland hasn't played that good. Mm-hmm. So. For me, it's it's an un, it's an unquestioned. Dan Rodabaugh is your MVP this year if he keeps these numbers up, you know, and I don't see any reason he won't. And I think he makes a really good case for Offensive Player of the Year as well. I don't see anybody really competing with him except maybe one of his receivers or San Jose's receivers. So I'm going Dan Rodabaugh MVP for sure. Definitely, definitely. We both agree on that now. Who do you got right now at the midseason for offensive player of the year? I mean, there's just been some ridiculous numbers being put up in the wide receiver department by a lot of wide receivers. 
And like you said, Ron Ball could be an offensive player of the year too. I mean, he's just been that just been that dominant, but who do you have right now as your midseason offensive player of the year? I'm between a few wide receivers. Tiger Jones definitely is one of the guys who deserves it. Morgan deserves it. Morgan doesn't deserve the MVP because they're 0 and 8 for offensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. Much different than MVP. So Morgan's in it. Uh, Thomas, Marco Thomas, T.T. Tolliver, those are my four. We're in it. And Dan Rodabaugh and Shane Austin, obviously. But right now, I think I'm going to go Tiger Jones. Uh, he's put up 21 touchdowns this year, 1,017 yards, first receiver to hit 1,000 yards. And he seems to be on pace for another 2,000-yard season. It'll be like his fifth all-time. That's ridiculous. Tiger Jones has not fallen off a bit. That five-touchdown game against the Soul, he's, he's just tearing it up so far. So, Tiger Jones is my offensive player of the year, but it's not as easy as Dan wrote about the MVP pick. There's some other guys who could win it, and I wouldn't be too angry about that. Yeah, definitely my offensive player of the year. Like you said, it's kind of hard because you got a lot of wide receivers. And like you said, the two quarterbacks, but a lot of wide receivers that are that are, that are the battle. And I was sitting there thinking, I was like, T.T. Tyler, like you said, Marco Thomas, Donovan Morgan has just been ridiculous. And, and Tiger has been just outstanding. And that soul game looked like it just got him the kickstarter to, you know, to keep on blowing, to keep on going. That was just like the jump start he needed. And then Joe Hill has about 81 receptions this year. So it's a lot of targets. And I kind of I gave my offensive player of the year to Tiger Jones, like you said. The stats speak for himself. This guy is not falling off. Ever since he went to Jacksonville, he's playing with another great quarterback in Tommy Greedy, who was an offensive juggernaut. We saw last year with with uh, last year with the Pittsburgh Power getting over 100 touchdown passes on. He's still he's still putting up big numbers here. And like you said, yeah, you, know, you can't be mad at any wide receiver that possibly gets the award because all of them so far have just been just been playing spectacular. And that's what you want to see in the AFL competitiveness at every position in the wide receiver position has just been that that competitive and that good at, at this point of the season. Moving on, defensive player of the year. Who do you have at defensive player of the year? Because there's some there's some defensive players there's some players on defense that could claim that that could claim that uh could claim that top role on defense. It's close. I like Ken Farnett. I like Joe Sykes. Uh James Romains had a pretty solid year. I don't think he's defensive player of the year caliber. But interception-wise, he's had a great year. He's going to be one of my all-arena guys. But for me, I'm going to have to go Joe Sykes. Huge fan of defensive line. I'm a huge fan of what James Ruffin did last year out in Spokane with 14 sacks. And Sykes right now has 16 sacks, or six sacks, excuse me. And, you know, he just constantly brought pressure. He got a sack against Dan Rodeball. He got Neil Tivis on one, and that has just been so unseen, unheard of. For the Philadelphia Soul to allow a sack this year. So that tells you something about Joe Sykes. Sykes is my guy for defensive player of the year. Yeah, I def I uh I definitely I definitely I definitely I definitely that's what I'm that's where I'm at right now for me. I like you said it was I was I was stuck between Sykes and and, and uh I was stuck between Sykes and Finet as a uh, defensive player of the year and I gave the edge to Finet but not that much just because uh, leads the league in seven interceptions. Seven interceptions right now. Leads the league in tackles with 63 and a half. That's pretty. That's pretty darn good. But like you said, Spikes also 10 sacks right now in the season. He's just been playing a monster. It's the way that Jacksonville is now starting to rise up the ladder, and they're starting to pick it up and playing 
Jacksonville Sharks football with all that talent on that team, if somehow Jacksonville, let's just say this, you might agree with me, Mike, you might agree with me with this. If Jacksonville can find a way and win the division, Joe Sykes probably will be defensive player of the year. I said six sacks, excuse me, I meant ten. That's that's a really good number. You know, that's that's already up there for you know, regular season record, I think uh he'd need one more to tie with Teddy Jennings for the tenth spot, so great season for Joe Sykes. And you definitely and I and like I said, I don't know if you agree with me, but you probably think that if 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 if, if Jacksonville ends up winning this division over the likes of the uh, over the likes of the Predators, you got to think that if he continues to bring the sacks numbers, then he'll probably lock up Defensive Player of the Year. I think Sacks needs Sykes needs four more sacks, and he pretty much wins it. I think Fonette, the guy who deserves it, you know, he's played well, but four more sacks Joe Sykes has. Yeah, we're gonna keep a we're gonna keep a lookout for that. We're probably gonna have to get a a Sykes watch going on here on the podcast to see if he gets a sack every week. To see if he gets to that, get to that, get to those, gets those four. Because if he does, like you said, has a game set match. And I mean, shoot, if he gets that much, I'm just going. I mean, you would agree with me too. If he gets to that number, then the NFL should be knocking on his door, saying, "Hey, would you like to come in for training camp?" Not only the NFL, maybe the MVP award in the AFL. You get 14 sacks, you set all-time records. You compete with Dan Rodeball a little bit. You know, there could be something said, but still think Dan has it. <laughs> right, definitely, definitely. And let's move on to the next category here, and that is, um, and that is rookie of the year. I didn't have nobody just because I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit ignorant to the to rookie of the year candidates right now. I, I haven't really been able to focus on the rookie of the year guy. I kind of been more focused on the you know the well established guy. So I'm gonna turn this over to you. Who? Do you have winning right now, Rookie of the Year? Who is some Rookie of the Year candidate that we should watch going towards the end of the season as we're at the midway point? Complete flip of last year where there was Teddy Jennings and Greg Carr and some other guys to name a few, you know, who were definitely could be Rookie of the Year. Teddy Jennings had 11.5. Greg Carr had crazy numbers out in Orlando. This year, sure not so much, you know. I mean, I'm kind of leaning toward one of the Tampa receivers, maybe Kendrickson, Philip Barnett, yeah. uh, Warren Smith. Is a guy who I like. Uh, he needs to continue to put up good numbers. And his his little ankle injury in training camp definitely hurts his shots, but I'm a Warren Smith fan. I think Warren Smith could potentially be it. Philip Barnett, Kendrick Ings. Those are my guys, you know. Some other guys will probably compete. I'm forgetting right now, but those are those are my three, I would say. Okay, so for the fans out there that needs to keep your eye on the rookie of the year, watch yourself. Warren Smith, Kendrick Ings, and who's the other guy? Phil Barnett out in Tampa Bay. And Phil Barnett out in Tampa Bay. So look out for those three names. Those three names could could do something. I remember watching the first game of the season. I think it was the uh I think it I think it uh I think it was um the first game of Tampa Bay when he took on Cleveland. I think we were I think I was I was actually talking to you and I was like, whoa, like even though Tampa's losing this Kendrick Ings guy, he's really Electric for a rookie, he was really putting yeah. in some some electric plays, and that was only the first week of the season. Yeah, Ings is my favorite for it. I would say uh, I think it'll be Ings or Warren Smith. I like uh-huh. the season Philip Barnett put up. I don't think he'll have the stats to win Rookie of the Year, but from uh came in the AFL for his first year, he's had a good season, so that's the reason I threw him in there as well. 
Definitely. And last but not least, because we only got about a minute 50 something left here on the show, uh, Coach of the Year. I might, I might sound so biased but saying, by saying this, but Clint Dozell got the soul at 8 and 1. They look so much better than what they did last year. The coach has done a great job. Him and Dan just on the, on the same page. They just are. They're, 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 just, they're just on a roll this season, and I just got to give them coach a year right now. I know it would be easy to go with San Jose, but, you know, their coach has been there for, for, for a long time, and he's just been doing the thing. And you could give it to Arizona, but they've been the perennial guys too at coach of the year. But I got to give it to Dozell. Who, do you guys, who are you giving your coach of the year to right now? You know, it's close between a few coaches, but I'm going to go Darren Arbett out in San Jose. Only undefeated mm-hmm. team. You know, he kind of over overhauled the roster a little bit, brought in a lot of Spokane guys. And I just like the season. I like the way they've been playing football. You know, I not many falls in either one, Seoul or uh, San Jose. So, you know, if Dalzell wins it, I'd be really happy for him. Great guy. If Arbett wins it, I think he might deserve it. So, either one of those guys. I like your choice. I like my choice. So, Arbett or Dalzell, those are my two. Uh, maybe a sleeper is uh, Rob Keefe out in Orlando. He's put together yeah. a decent season. You know, if they make the playoffs and they make a little bit of a run, which I still think they can, Keefe might get it because of the run they make. You know, I think they're going to go on a little bit of a run. But, yeah, I think it's between Dozell and Arbet. Definitely. So that's going to wrap up the show here on the Total Sports Live podcast. When we come to you guys, we might as well just do this next Thursday at 6 again. When we come to you guys next week, we'll break down the Boardwalk Bowl. We're going to uh, – we're going to talk about our all-arena first and second teams. We're going to talk about that. And make sure, like Harrison said, if you're a fan, make sure you follow him on Twitter. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at SNSD Sports. And he'll be down at the Boardwalk Bowl on both days, Friday and Saturday. And also, the transaction wire, make sure you stay tuned because it is now between 630 and 715. So make sure you check that out as well. For Jovan and Harrison, everybody, thanks for tuning in again. And we'll talk to you guys same time, same place next week. Thanks, guys. Great, thanks.